Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Tech Two Tuesday. Appreciate everybody uh, tagging along again another week with uh, without a rad show beforehand. They're still on their break until the 8th. Um, I am back after a two-week hiatus, sort of two weeks, I guess. Um, I wasn't here last week after Christmas, um, but glad to be back. And thanks for everybody who's uh, who's tagging along with the live show today and anybody who's listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, with me again today, I've got Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Um, and just as a reminder, Jeff is our uh, customer service manager as well as our lead dispatcher. How long you been here, Jeff? I forgot. Uh, Six years, seven, seven years, seven, over seven, seven and a half now. So Jeff, Jeff is a, a great participant in these conversations for a couple reasons. One, while you're not a technician, correct, uh, you know enough, sure, to to at least route and uh, route to people oh, to the he, right direction, sure, and fix a lot of your own things, and but. Um, there's not, it's really like a lot of the dispatchers, the longer that they've been here, I feel like the the gap of skill between technician and dispatcher certainly closes. Sure. They are not right, practiced, yeah, yeah. but they, they talk the talk all day. Yeah, I mean, I regularly look at our application test and would fail it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the reasons I, I love having Jeff on too is his... Um, love for ai and all, I, all I, things AI. i love ai yeah so uh, and we have much. a we have a fun ai we have a couple ai topics today so um one of the main things i actually wanted to start with this week and uh as maybe a way to start off the new year if you will is um i want to try to do a segment every show which is it, it kind of a how-to guide or something that yeah. it, it, you know something that people may not know about either that it exists or how to use it and um, I got a good email right before the right before the show today that we'll go over to about um, a question about how to use something but the one I wanted to start today off with was uh, Google Voice and the reason I wanted to bring it up I've got plenty of other news I wanted to go over but I, w I wanted to hit this topic first um, get some feedback from you guys. Tell me what you think about it. If you have any questions, obviously I'm happy to answer those, but, um, Google voice is a very interesting, uh, product for a lot of reasons. We'll go through it for a little while. Uh, we didn't talk about this at all ahead of time. I don't think, no. um, do you use it? Well, I use it here because that's we, right. Yep. When, yeah. Yeah. When, when, when folks are applying for jobs, they leave us voicemails through Google voice mm -hmm. and things like that. So, and, and I call a lot of folks who have it. So I've been on the receiving end of the giving line. So you're not a uh, you're not a user uh, for any personal Google Voice right, functions. Right. Well, maybe I can convince you today okay. um, that it makes sense to get an account. Bring it on. <laughs> What's funny is that I'm going to um, I'm going to like almost juxtapose this topic when we're done with why you shouldn't use, like Google. Sure, sure. <laughs> but it's like this is kind of uh, if yeah. anything like this is such a great representation of what is our entire industry. It's like all of the features that you love come with downsides. Yeah. Um, like pretty much everything has a caveat. And so to some degree, I think that, um, you know, like the older we get, the more I'm reluctant to give up information. And it's kind of like, I just want to do it the old simple way. Right. But I need to stay with the times and sure. I like those new features. So I have to like force myself to cave a little and uh, be willing uh, to, to deal with some of the, <laughs> the side effects of, of, of technology. So um, Google voice is uh, just kind of abbreviated the, the quickest I can. It's a free service. Mm -hmm. They have paid features, right? I've had it for, Let's see, what year are we in? 24. I've had it for at least 10 years. I've had it for like 15 years. Uh, it was actually originally a company, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was called, um, what's the name of the big station in New York? Uh, the train station? Um, oh. Uh, well, now 
I feel stupid. I know, right? Yeah, it's one of those ones. It's like everybody yeah, knows it, and yep. I can't think of it. That's yeah. but whatever that is. That's what it like the original company was called. Um, it's funny. I can't that we can't. We'll pop into one of our heads as we go through the show. Yes, it'll be embarrassing. We'll be we'll be three or quarters of the way through. And <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, so when Google was still kind of a baby company in to a, to a degree. In the early 2000s, they bought uh, this 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 company, and um, they they had digital voice services. And basically, um, what Google Voice is is a, a service you sign up for, and you get a phone number. They give you an actual phone number to pretty much any area code. Generally speaking, they have every area code available. Um, it is something that you use on a computer, but you could also use it on a phone in, mm-hmm. in the form of an application. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so uh, even though you get a phone number. It doesn't replace your current phone number. It's just a new phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm busy enough in life that having more than one phone number or even more than one phone can sometimes make sense for me. And I've had a second phone number now for over a decade. And it has been one of the most um, efficient components of my day-to-day life that I just never really thought about sharing because I've taken it for granted. So that's the reason why I wanted to talk about it. And having a second phone number, there's some immediate things that anybody could think of that are beneficial for that. Um, because I'm such a good looking guy. Yeah. And I go out to bars. Right. R- regularly. Mm-hmm. Like I like every other day. I'm a, sure. I'm a bar guy, as you know. Yeah. I keep up you. with all the, what, um, I'm like no cap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I, because I get approached by so many women, obviously, yeah, you know, right. Because I go everywhere. Um, but I'm married, so I got to give out a phone number that's, you know, maybe it's my phone number, but it's not my main phone number. So I got my Google voice line. Um, that's a fun use, uh, that has never happened for me. Um, but the more realistic one is just the other day. I decided I want to. Uh, I wanted to get some uh, tools that were only available at this very small hardware store, and so I went there and they're like, "Hey, can we get your phone number to put you in our system?" And right. I, I hate that. I kind of like it. Just you know, it's one of those things like you don't need it, um, but I get it. Maybe it's beneficial later on. They had they had a warranty on some of the things I purchased. So I, I was fine. It's a small local business, and um, but when I give them a phone number, I give them my Google Voice phone number. Right. When right. I signed up for uh, PG&E for my electricity and gas or, you know, whatever, I give them my Google Voice number. When I sign up for anything, I mean, there's very few things I can think of where people get my actual phone number. from. AT- I use AT&T. And the reason for that is Google Voice forwards all of those calls to my main line. So... My old, uh, my, my Google voice number now, and I'll get to this a little bit later, is my cell phone number that I got when I was uh, like 16, so 20 years ago. Okay. I got this phone number, and I, I've had it forever, 20 years, forever for me. And um, I didn't want to give it up because there were a lot of things that were kind of tied to it. Um, giving up a phone number is challenging if you have two-factor you know, or you have right. family that, you know, are kind of a little distant relatives that might text you. Sure. You just don't think about it. So there's um, there's a lot of downsides to giving up a phone number. So in my case, I didn't quite give up my phone number that I've had for 20 years. I ported that phone number to Google Voice. Now, before that, I just acquired a number with Google Voice. The way it works, you go to voice.google.com. If you don't have a Gmail account or a Google account, you just sign in to, uh, you know, create, create one of those free accounts. But if you already have one, a lot of people have a Gmail account. 
also free, voice.google.com, and it says, hey, you want to get a phone number? And the way that works is you say, yes, I want a phone number. You tell it what area code you want. It gives you usually a list of phone numbers that you could choose from, like, hey, here's a bunch of them. Do you like any of these? Um, and you say yes, and then you tie it to your phone number. And what that means is that this phone number that I'm now getting from Google is linked to my actual cell phone number. So then there, there's a few benefits to that. Like one of the biggest ones is let's say I make an outbound call uh, and, and create a bomb threat or something like that with my Google voice number. It's not some anonymous phone number. Right. It, it, Google knows who I am. So in the event that something illegal is done with this number, it's not like this is some untraceable virtual line. Right. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had that listener who got uh, res responded to a, a scam and that presumably would have given that scammer access to his Google voice account, which is that right. uh, it was a concern that that uh, if something were then done with that Google Voice account, that it would be traced back to the original user because exactly. the cell phone is there. So it's not it's not some anonymous virtual service, right? It, it's linked to you, um, but it's a phone number. It's like a, like any other phone yeah, number as far as your wife's private investigator can find out that it's your phone number. You've been <laughs> yeah, given right. out to these ladies. So I got an email. Thank you, Bradley. Grand Central Station. It was called Grand Central. Yes. Yeah. That's what that's what the my name. brain only told me Shining Time Station, and I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> um, so I. Uh, Actually, you know, there's another email I got. It's a little bit. I'll, I'll come. I'll, I'll get back to it. It's a little distracting. It's a follow up from a from another uh, conversation we've had, but we'll get back to that. Um, so, Google Voice. Um, just to kind of very briefly recap, you can go to voice.google.com and you can create your create your account. It's free. Uh, you could get a phone number from them, and then the easiest way to use it, in my opinion, is to download. Like I use an iPhone, but mm -hmm. it, on Androids, it integrates a little bit more seamlessly. I would sure. say um, that that seamless integration on Android is not an experience I'm intimately familiar with, but I'm familiar with it enough to know that if you have like a Pixel phone from 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 Google, mm -hmm. um, Pixel gives you sort of Google Google makes the Pixel phone, so they give you kind of the raw version of the Android operating system. In in some ways, it's kind of considered like the most pure form of the Android operating right, system. Right. Um, whereas if you buy a Samsung mm -hmm. or you buy a OnePlus or any of these other phones that exist on the market, if it's not a Google Pixel phone, it's some other phone. Chances are you're dealing with an Android operating system that's just mildly modified. Um, but typically not enough to affect what we're talking about. Uh, but there, there are subtle differences. So l just go through a little user experience for a second here. Let's say um, that you're selling a service. I've met you for the first time, and you're going to call me. Maybe you do gutter cleaning or some kind of home service or whatever. Yes, so that is the service that I provide. A, a I, you know what? Uh, ballet dancing would have been more appropriate. Hey, I got uh, the tutu. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so you're gonna you're gonna do you're gonna uh, teach my son how to how to perform at his recital, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna uh, give you my number, and you're gonna call me, and we're gonna have a conversation. But I don't want to give you my actual cell phone number because I don't know how you store phone numbers. I don't know how the company that I bought some. You know, wood carving products from. I don't know how they're going to put my phone number in their system. I don't know how their system works. I don't know if it's secure. So, 
I'm giving them my Google voice number. And that really makes no difference as far as my interactions with them or you as a person providing a service or a business or just some stranger that I just met for the first time. Um, when you call that number that I've given you, my Google voice number, my phone is gonna ring. And, and then what's really cool is when I answer it, it's gonna say your name. Because when you call that number, it's gonna say, the Google Voice subscriber you have reached it can, w will be available shortly. What's your name? Or so, you know something to that effect. They've changed that that message a couple times. So I can't remember the exact wording, but basically it's I hate it. if you want to talk to this person, tell me your name. Now I already avoid like ninety percent of scam calls. Yeah, I in my experience, I feel like when I hear that, I the what I'm hearing the recorded message say is. Please tell us your name so this caller cannot answer you. Right. And I'm like, uh, And I'm only giving it to people who I want to have that experience. So if you're someone who... Now, I, I, by the way, I have the ability to add, add you into my Google contacts. Mm -hmm. And I can say, don't, don't ask who this person is. Oh, really? Is. I didn't know you could do that. I can. Like, for example, my son's school has my Google voice number. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, a configuration in my Google Voice that bypasses that because when they call, no matter if it's a person calling intentionally or an automated call, the first part of their call is like, please confirm you're on the line. And I can't really do that if they're supposed to like tell me who they are. So you can configure it per person if, if you need to. Well, and when you do that, the person calling doesn't even know they're calling a Google Voice number. At that point, they have no clue. And, and really, your experience as the person using Google Voice is the same as any other phone call. The call just forwards to your phone number. It shows the caller ID of the person who's calling you. You answer it, and you're just having a conversation. So does it take what I, when, when I'm making that outbound call and it asks me for my name, mm -hmm. then does it just transcribe that, or does it play that audio? It plays you? the audio. Good question, yeah. So when I answer it, It'll say, uh, Jeff Heatherly, in your voice, is trying to reach you. Press 1 to answer. Press 2 to send a voicemail. What's really cool, uh, actually, Apple just integrated this feature in the newest version of iOS 15, um, is they, they have a function now called live voicemail listening. Mm -hmm. Remember back in the day when we had an answering machine? Yeah. And when somebody would start leaving a message, we could just pick up the phone and be like, hey, sorry, I was making dinner, I'm here. I know mm -hmm. who you are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's how we would screen calls. We we're mm -hmm. sitting down, sure, yeah. you know, eating dinner, we didn't want to answer the phone, so we let the machine pick it up, and we would all hear like, oh God, that's grandma, go, go grab the go grab the phone or oh god that's grandma let it keep going and just let her finish her message yeah forget grandma <laughs> whatever whatever your style we got is. things to do <laughs> yeah so um google voice has had that feature for years i can answer the phone i can say send you to voicemail i can listen to you leaving the voicemail oh, that's cool and then i can say oh you know what I, I do need to talk to him. And then I press one and i can just interrupt you while you're speaking say hey hey sorry this is ian i'm, I'm here what's going on you know and this is a feature that we've had for forever with with tape machines, with message machines, right? Um, and it was kind of a crappy feature to lose. felt felt bad to lose it. Um, so Apple has integrated that into the newest version of iOS 15. As long as you have a compatible phone, you can use that feature. Um, but Google Voice has had this for years. And maybe if you don't have an iPhone or a phone that has that feature, this is another way to sort of screen calls. Um, 
just want to talk about some of the benefits to the reason why I push this is because the less people who know your actual phone number, the better. Um, your actual phone number that is tied to your phone, like for example, my real phone number, my, my AT&T number, that's like tied to bank accounts and stuff. Um, and only my really immediate family, the managers here know that number. For the most part though, I don't really give that number out. I give my 916, my old number, I give that number out. And um, the 916 is a Sacramento area code. It's what's been around forever. There's a new area code in Sacramento, which is 279. There's a new area code. We'd have a new town. one. And uh, the 279 area code is the one that I've opted to get my actual phone number for because I asked AT&T specifically, give me a phone number that's never been circulated. And that was a challenge for them. I was in the store for like an hour for them to figure that out. But I, I to this day, and I've had this phone number now, God, I think at least, I mean, at least a year, maybe going on too. Um, I think I've received one or two spam calls in that entire time on, on that new phone number, which is great. But a big part of that is that I filter all of my business calls, um, business meaning like people I that are providing me a service through this other phone number. Um, but there's so many benefits to it beyond just that. Well, and alternatively, you could do it the other way around, where you totally where the number that you that your friends and family and everybody has is your regular number, and that you only use your Google Voice number for sensitive things that are you linked could. to accounts. The downside to that is that your Google Voice account, your Google account could be hacked, mm. um, whereas your phone number is much harder to quote unquote hack or get copies of text messages. It's not saying that's impossible, but it's incredibly unlikely and very, very, very challenging for somebody to pull off. Whereas like spoofing an email to you and hacking your account by getting you to give us your password, that's a little bit more likely. So I wouldn't usually recommend using the Google it's Voice. It's still something that. that somebody would have to actively do to you. You'd have to be targeted. It's not, it's not one of those things where, it's not likely yet to be one of those things where somebody gets into Google system and just gets that number. Right. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, after, you know, about 20 years of them doing this, that hasn't happened yet. So the other uh, benefits uh, that make this a very desirable uh, feature for me is I have a call schedule on my mm -hmm. Google Voice account. I can only receive calls on that phone line from 9 a.m. until I think I have it set to like 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That phone number will never ring in the middle of the night. It, I can I can turn it to do not disturb mode anytime I want to, so I just don't get like if I'm on vacation. Is this why you're not replying to my midnight texts? Is that that's an offline conversation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I have the ability to kind of filter calls as I see fit. But not only that, like I said, there's people I could sort of quote unquote whitelist, if you will, to just let them pass through that little you know, who's calling me function. Mm -hmm. um, I can also blacklist people. It's really easy to just say, don't let this person message me or, or text me. You can block them. Um, so there, the, there's features of Google Voice that are highly desirable to people, I think not just like me, who have hundreds of different accounts, who have, I, you know, I'm involved in tech to you circles, fire up another sure, business yeah, with yeah. My, my wife. There's a lot going on. It makes a lot of sense for somebody like me to have not only two phone numbers, but in some cases, like I said, two phones. Um, I've been able to make my life work with a single phone. I've tried the two phone thing for a while, but Google Voice is really what tied that together for me. Um, so just to kind of recap this user experience, you sign up for an account, it's free. Um, I know I sound very pro Google right now, and for the most part I am. They have really cool features. 
but they know that everything that you provide a company like Google, you know, a private company has access to that information. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm entrusting them with a lot by, by doing this. Um, you could even, by the way, you can record phone calls with Google Voice. That's another function. I, I believe you just press nine when you're on a phone call using Google Voice and it just starts recording. It'll announce that it's recording, so it's not private to the person that's on the other end of the phone, but say you're calling you know, your internet provider to dispute a charge and you want your own copy of that call. You can use Google Voice and just press a number and now you have a recorded version stored on your Google Drive, which is awesome. Um, so there's, uh, again, multiple benefits that I, I could spend the entire hour talking about all of its features, but there are many and I recommend it. Um, Anyway, coming back to this recap, if, if you sign up for this account for free, um, you link it to your, your cell phone, it works fantastic. You can get the app for it. The iOS app for Google Voice works great. The integration on Android works very well. Android will basically detect that you have a Google Voice account tied to your Gmail account that you may already have signed into your Android with. Um, but they give you great instructions on how the whole thing works. Um, it, it, it's just, it's really, it's one of those things where it was a great way for me to kind of start this segment of I want to give people some technical advice that they may not know about because this to me was the most glaring glaringly obvious benefit that I take advantage of on a day-to-day -day basis that most people that I know don't sure and and just just if, if the only thing you used it for was having a secondary phone number for spam purposes what a benefit just to just to have your primary phone number be kind of this clean slate that no nobody else you know sure i mean lots of people have multiple email addresses of course. exactly for that reason right this is the same thing now the the last thing i'll say about it is that google voice has been free for a very long time mm -hmm. i don't know that it'll always be mm -hmm. but even if they if they charged me like let's say they started charging me i don't know at, at the point at which i'd have to consider it would maybe be 30 to 40 dollars a month like i don't know if this is going to continue to be worth it for me sure it probably would. I'd probably still do it, but it's for it's free, and they have not announced a date that they're going to charge. But there's been speculation that they will for a long time. So anyway, uh, it's a service that I recommend. If you have questions about it, feel free to uh, you know reach out. Let me know if if you guys have any questions about the service or how to use it or anything. Obviously, I'm happy to answer those. Well, and there's also that concern that you know if they've been giving this to you for free, that means that there's something that they get out of it, and I don't know what that thing is. Yeah, I mean they're they're yeah that. Agreed. Um, Google, but th like Gmail is free, um, mm -hmm. and they get to advertise through to you a little bit there. So there, you know, there's, but it's not it's not a spammy platform. It works really, right, really right. Well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I use Google. I mostly like I like Google as a service, and um, like you were talking about earlier with the, your Gmail accounts, and when you're trying to sign up for a Google Voice thing, like all of those things are together. You probably already have a Google account somewhere because right. because you're if you have a youtube account if you have a gmail account mm -hmm. all of those are the same those that's your google account right. it's all it's one like ecosystem so mm -hmm. it's it's nice to have all those things connected in one in one place especially if uh you're an android user for instance right. like i am that then you most all certainly those, have all one. those things integrate with one another and it, it's really nice so uh i got this email while we were talking here um i just wanted to go over this real quick here allison uh reached out and uh allison reached out a while back about a question regarding using starlink um at her house and if, oh, yeah. if i recommended it 
And uh, so she's got a follow up. She says, Happy New Year, Tech to You team. Happy New Year to you as well. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, just wanted to say thank you for the feedback regarding Starlink a few weeks back. We live in, in a rural and uh, rural area and had super slow internet speeds from our previous company. We got Starlink for a Christmas family present. And wow, so much faster. Currently able to watch you all right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, with no issues like before. And watching TV and gaming for my kids is no problem. Setup was super easy. And we're online within 20 minutes after opening the box. Thanks again. 20 minutes is impressive. Like I've seen some people take a couple hours to get that whole thing set up. But like I've said, um, Starlink is a really cool way to solve the uh, internet issues that exist in areas that don't have great connections. I'm really, really happy to hear it's working well for you. I hope it continues to. She provided a screenshot. She's getting 45 megs down, which is plenty. Um, that's plenty of, you know, for, for a basic internet connection at home and, and standard use streaming Netflix and obviously watching things like Rad TV, uh, streaming audio, playing games, it's good enough. The latency is is not as good. You know, 45 milliseconds of latency, any gamer would say like, oh, that's not ideal. But again, for your average person, average gamer, this is this is you know far beyond the near dial-up speeds that you can get in most of these situations. Oh so. yeah, some of those providers are pretty very rough. slow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so thanks for the follow-up, Allison. I really appreciate the uh, the feedback on that. Um, so uh, another topic I wanted to go into is a, an email I actually just got uh, this morning. This is from uh, Marty. Marty says, uh, "Hello, Ian. Question for you. I've been listening to your podcast, and I have to tell you, I love the show. Thank you very much. It's very nice of you." Um, I uh, have, uh, what do you say? I have some help understanding how password manager works. So he's looking for some help on password managers. How do I set up all my passwords when I register? And let's say create an account. He's referring to LastPass. Um, <clears throat> is there an automated way to get the information into the password manager? I thought this may be a good subject for this week's show. Yeah, it is a great subject. Um, I could, I, I think maybe what I'll do is, is go into more detail, maybe even do like a little instructional at some point on, on LastPass and password managers. <clears throat> but to answer the question that Marty has, the main question here is, how do I get passwords inside of a password manager? So you go to lastpass.com, you sign up. They have a free version. Um, the free version is pretty limited. I think you can only put it maybe on a cell phone and also one computer, something like that. Um, I have the paid version. I honestly can't remember what I pay. It's something like, I don't know, $24 a year or something, or that's what it was. It's not incredibly expensive, but I, I use all of their features, so it's very well worth it for me. Um, but how do you add something? Well, a good example is, let's say you use, um, I don't know, PG&E. So you go to pg&e.com to sign in for your, your gas bill. And what, what's going to happen is you'll, when you, when you go to LastPass and you create an account, it's going to say, uh, we recommend that you install this extension to your browser. Now, right. Now, what I'm talking about is on a desktop, not on a phone. Sure. And that's a great place to begin this process. So you go to your desktop, you create a LastPass account, and it's going to immediately recommend, hey, get our extension. That's really where the magic happens. It adds a function onto Chrome or Firefox or Edge or Safari or whatever mm -hmm. you're using. Mm -hmm. And this extension is what we call these. There's many different extensions. There's extensions for pop-up blockers and price trackers and everything. You get thousands and thousands of different mm -hmm, kinds mm -hmm. of extensions. So LastPass is an extension. It gets kind of bolted onto to your browser. Chrome, we'll talk about. And um, you sign in on the extension with this LastPass account you created so that now you're all signed in. The extension's connected. You go to pg&e.com. You sign in. You just type in your username and password as you normally would. And as soon as you hit submit, the password management extension, LastPass's extension, will detect, 
oh, hey, it looks like you just signed into an account. You, mm-hmm. want, you want me to save this for you? Yep, hit the save button. What's even cooler is that if you go to change that password inside of PG&E, like, oh, gosh, this password got leaked or it's old, it's time to update, whatever. You go to your you know account settings in PG&E, you find the password option, you go through the reset process, you type in a new password. LastPass will pop up and say, hey, it looks like you updated your password for PG&E. Do you want me to update your records to show this to save this new password? Just hit yes. And what's really cool is it even saves the history of all your passwords. Oh, really? Right. So what has happened in some cases, certain service providers will say, what was your password two years ago? Like, you want access to this right. account again? Mm-hmm. Give us what your old password was. Now you have a record of that, too. Um, so that's the, the easiest way to answer your question. The, will LastPass show you what your old passwords were? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It does, yeah. Just as long as you had them stored there, it'll even show you the date you changed them. You know, like it'll give you the kind of the date history of your passwords. So how is that secure? Because it's all stored inside of LastPass's vault, which is a great question. So LastPass actually was uh, publicized heavily recently, and I I still recommend them even with what I know. Um, They had two breaches in the last few years. Mm -hmm. The last one was major. It, It they breached all basically all client data, um, including all of my password vault, but it's all encrypted. So it's useless without my master password, which is how you log into your LastPass account is using a master password. So they basically stole a bunch of encrypted useless data. And just to be precautious or or take a precaution, I should say, uh, I just changed my master password. So they can't get into my account still. And this made news, but it really, uh, and it was a big deal. It was a bad thing that they got, that something got leaked. I know how it happened. And it's, it was the human element, like always that, that let this happen. Um, but other password management companies have had the same problem happen. Uh, when user data does get leaked, it's millions at a time, not an individual. Mm -hmm. So if I was very concerned about what the repercussions of a leak like that could be, I just go change my bank account password. I go change my Google password, which I did. I just did, you know, it took a few minutes and God, it's been years since I've updated these anyway. May as well go update those right now too. So uh, it, it, again, this kind of goes back to how I started this whole show. Uh, I have these opposing topics a lot of times. I just told you about all of the wonderful features of Google Voice. Now I'm going to tell you about a problem with Google. <laughs> so uh, while LastPass is secure... Um, you know, Ian, you wouldn't need all this LastPass stuff if you just used the same short, easy-to-guess password for all of your accounts. That's right, yeah. You know, it's actually it's funny. Uh, for a really long time, I had probably from like when I was, I don't know, maybe... 13 or 14 I came up with this password that I still use today for like low security accounts like if I sign up for some free service because I want to download a file and never use the company again I use that password and it's just like if anybody ever gets that password they'll gain nothing of value like if they hack one of those accounts they can do nothing with it so it's almost like kind of like fun for me because I I kind of hope that password gets leaked at some point just so somebody gains access to the most useless junk on the internet, um, which they probably never find anyway. But uh, I do have that password still. Um, going back to uh, loving and hating Google, uh, Google it has had a lawsuit filed a few years back about incognito. And so for those that don't know what incognito is, it is a form of browsing the internet using Google's Chrome browser that is private. You're, you're disguised, you're incognito. That's why they call it that. And 
the concept is uh, from a basic technical perspective that if you're searching the web using the incognito browser that a it doesn't store any information on your computer about where you went mm -hmm. so i can open an incognito tab here's a little pro tip if you hold control and shift and press the n key you get an incognito window it's a new window incognito and uh i want to search something that i i don't want the government knowing i'm searching well that's not that's probably not going to happen no. so uh i have this incognito window i don't want cookies stored on my computer now i do use this all the time we, we use it internally often but as a means of technical problem solving right right because when you're using in if i try to load a web page if i do a search for something on google um it is keeping track of where it already knows roughly where i am and it's going to try to give me results that are uh related to me and my search history and all that aggregate garbage that Google has about me, whereas if I'm in incognito mode, then ideally if I'm performing the same kind of search or going to a page, we're going to it without all those cookies and all that information loaded so that I can see what somebody else would see when they're looking for this thing. For the first time, presumably. Right, right. right. Yeah, so another example would be, uh, like we use this software that we that all of our staff clocks in with every day. And it's a, it's a major company that processes payroll, but their website is convoluted, complicated, and, and it's, it's really, it's not an ideal process for anybody. But it often has bugs. Like you'll try to log in and it'll fail, or you'll try to hit the clock in button and it just doesn't work. And 99% of the time, if you open that page incognito, the browser works, it works fine. It's because when you load any website, that website not only has the capacity to, but in most cases, it looks at your browsing history, mm -hmm. as well as other cached files stored on your computer from that same website. So say, for example, I go to, uh, I use this example, uh, example a lot, shell.com, the company that sells gas. I just use them as a test site. Often they have a pretty big website, it's robust, and they store a ton of junk on your computer when you visit their website. And if they stored a bunch of their code and temporary files on my computer, to make the website load faster the next time I go there, what's happening is my computer is going to say, oh, cool, I don't need to load um, you know, shell logo.jpg to give you the logo again. You've already got that. It's stored on your computer. So I'm going to just take it from your computer and throw it up on this website, and we don't need to download that file. Right, right. It goes a little faster. Yeah, it's efficient. Right. Now, there's if that logo changes, what's supposed to happen is my computer recognizes, oh, they have a new logo. So I'm not gonna use the old one, I'm gonna trash that, I'm gonna download the new one, I'm gonna show you the new logo, and we're gonna get rid of that old cached file for you, mm -hmm. right? That's what's supposed to happen. It just doesn't work a lot of the time. And you know, that's just a logo, but a lot of major components of a website may fail to load as a result of cached files. So incognito is a, is a good browsing function. I guess another good tip for the day. So um, the reason Chrome has been getting sued is because their whole thing was like, hey, browse privately. Browse incognito. Nobody knows what you're doing. Right. I mean, it's always been the case that your internet, unless you're using a private network, your uh, your internet service provider still knows what you're mm -hmm. looking for. Your, your uh, employer still knows what you're looking for right. if you're on a work computer. But at the very least, your your history isn't being saved. So it's not supposed to influence... Uh, it's not supposed to influence the things that are recommended to you in the future. It's not supposed to show up in your search history. And it's not supposed to affect the advertising and things like that that Google shows you through their targeted ads. 
and the the thought we all had as consumers is Google's not looking at what I'm doing either. Right. But they were. And that was revealed. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say it was like 2018, 2019. That was revealed that they did know what we were doing. They mm-hmm. were storing that information. And they really only know if you're signed into your Google account on Chrome. That's how they would know that kind of thing. Um, but they got sued for it. And rightfully so, because they mis- misrepresented right. what this browser function did. And they're finally about to settle it uh, three years after the the lawsuit. So the, the main reason I, I bring this up is... A, Again, I love to hate this juxtaposition of like, use this amazing Google service, but Google was secretly watching you this whole time. Um, It's the nature of the internet and there's things you can do if you really wanna be private. I I would recommend have a browser like Firefox that you use for only searching stuff that you don't want linked to you and uh, use a VPN on top of that, a virtual private network. There's a company I've recommended many times called Private Internet Access, uh, or PIA. Um, and a number of our guys also use DuckDuckGo. Yeah, as, as a browser. So DuckDuck, or sorry, not as a browser, but as a uh, search engine. They have a browser too, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah, actually, I haven't used it. Um, but DuckDuckGo.com, D-U-C-K, D-U-C-K-G-O.com. Uh, it's just another search engine, like like Google or Yahoo or Bing or anything else. Uh, but they are notoriously private. They don't they don't store your information. That's their whole thing. Like, I mean, that and they their, even have like, thing. I don't know, I don't know what how they make their money because I have seen billboards, so I know that they have money because <laughs> they're able to spend yeah, right. it on advertising. Um, as I think it's important for us to remember that whenever a company gives you something for free, you are not their customer. Someone else is their customer, and you are part of the product. Right. But, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I know what Google gets out of it because Google. We like to think of Google as a as a technology service provider and as a. Uh, uh, but the reality is that they're an advertisement company. Yeah, that's absolutely it. They make many, many, many millions and billions from advertising. Mm-hmm. And you know, DuckDuckGo. I'm I'm sure I, I don't use it enough. Um, to know, but I'm sure that they have advertising dollars coming in as well. Um, so uh, moving on, a couple other things I wanted to talk about today. I have a, a main topic I want to get to here shortly, so I'm going to hit a couple of these kind of quick. Um, do you know what AirTags are? App, Apple AirTags? Only only a little bit, Okay, but, but I I see why they're useful and terrifying. So they're, uh, Apple AirTags are, uh, were a very common Christmas present for a lot of people this year. They're about 100 bucks for a, for a four-pack. AirTags, like the company Tile, um, who is one of the most uh, prevalent in the industry, provide you a feature. It's it's about a quarter-sized little electronic with a battery inside of it. It's very small, Mm -hmm. quite literally about the size of a quarter, maybe twice as thick, maybe maybe three times as thick. And uh, you throw it in your backpack, throw it in your luggage. your purse, your, you know, maybe you can, maybe you have a big enough wallet, you can kind of slip it in your wallet. The idea with this device is that you can use your phone to track where these things are, all the way down to the foot. They're, it's very precise. Um, I have one on my remote at home, and when I lose the remote, I use my phone to find the remote. <laughs> and I can make it even make a little chime. The air tag will go ding, 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 ding. You oh, know, that's nice. And it makes a little noise if I, my phone can tell me when I'm, you know, it has an arrow pointing at what direction to go. It's not like hotter or colder, it like gives me direction. But like, let's say I lost my wallet and I had an AirTag in it and I left it at the bar. I might not know that I left it. At, I tell you about all these bars I go to. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> all the time. I'm a bar guy, right? Yeah. So I left it at one of the many bars that I attend. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know which. 
So I, you know, open the Find My app in iPhone and I can see exactly where it is. Maybe somebody's even taken it with them. They, maybe they've taken it home. I'll know where it's at. Um, and it uses a really impressive uh, combination of Bluetooth and, and near-field communication technology, just these very impressive little technologies to uh, tell us where it is. Uh, and it uses other iPhones and Apple devices nearby to create this really complex and accurate network of exactly down to the inch where a device, where, where this AirTag is stored. Um, the downside yeah. is that you might be uh, as attractive as I am, you know, because unfortunately I have to deal with this I, I problem. I get it. Uh, and people will stick an AirTag under my car. Mm-hmm. And and because there's there's really no difference between this and the spy tracking devices that we've seen on television for the last 45, 50 years. This is more impressive than those devices by a, a long shot because the battery lasts for months. Mm-hmm. The accuracy is as good as it could possibly be. It's tiny and discreet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's silent when you want it to be. I mean, it is a phenomenal tracking device as it's intended to be. It's very, very good at what it does. But obviously the downside comes with stocking. So there's been this concern for a long time of like, what do we do to prevent this? Well, Apple has actually decided to work with companies like Amazon and Google to help prevent this from happening. Um, Specifically with iPhones, let's say that somebody slips an AirTag in, in my cracked window or something, you know, tosses it in my car or maybe slips it in my backpack or my back pocket when I'm out at night. Um, I might not feel it because, again, it's so small. I might have no idea that it's there. But after a period of time of this AirTag being very close to me, my phone will alert me, you're being tracked. Somebody, somebody's put this AirTag next to you. Oh, that's good. And this is who it belongs to. So Ooh. heads up, you're being tracked. Super cool. The problem is it takes about a day for you to know because let's just say I go get together with a group of my friends and three of them carry air tags in their pockets or on their wallet or, you know, a girl has got it in her purse and we're hanging out for the evening. We go from one bar to the next bar to a restaurant and then we go see a movie together. And then in the middle of the movie, it's burp, 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 you're being tracked. This is just my friend. My friend's just with me. I don't want to. That's that's not a great you know, wait. Right. So what's the solution Apple came up with is like, let's give it a time frame. Let's make it 24 hours. And a lot of people say like, let the user determine how bad it is. But Apple's notorious for not letting users decide anything. Sure, they're, sure. They're yeah, going to they, tell they us they what's best for us. <laughs> yeah, so um, anyway, the, the, the news here is that there is a combination of two different technologies, secret sharing and error correction coding that will hope to solve this problem to allow us to identify very quickly that we're being tracked. By the way, Androids have the capacity to tell you if you're being tracked by an Apple AirTag now as well. The best thing to do is keep your operating system updated because as, as I understand in the most recent operating system update, it was included. Um, and this is a a, a a demonstration of Apple, um, you know, trying to work with other major companies to solve what is a legitimate security concern for anybody, not just their customers, but anybody, right? So, um, the technologies themselves are brutally complicated. Oh, yeah. The error code correction one that fixes the main, like, we can detect people fast, but we need to make it actually accurate. I tried to understand part of it, and I got pretty far into how they 
error correct for what they perceive as a potential stalking tracking mm -hmm. device. Mm -hmm. And it is hyper complicated, but it's really cool. And they've basically been beta testing it effectively. So the hope is that this technology will become available to companies like Apple and Tile and whoever else to uh, fix our concerns of people being tracked by these devices. So if anything, yes, it's it's kind of cool news that uh, this is getting better, but if you didn't know about AirTags and what they can do and that you can be tracked, or maybe you like the idea of tracking your luggage, it's a cool product, something that that I recommend. I use them. My, my, my son has one. He keeps it in his backpack. Um, and and uh, I think we have one in like luggage in my wife's purse and stuff like that. The downside to that is they're all advertising their location. Mm-hmm. But Apple has really cool technology that rotates the the key that basically is used to determine who the AirTag air belongs to every 15 minutes. So a person can't oh, okay. be tracked very easily. That's part of what makes this so difficult is that Apple has secured user privacy so well mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it complicates the process of uh, finding uh, stalkers. Mm -hmm. So anyway, kind of a cool, kind of a cool bit. Hopefully, this is something that gets released soon. Um, and if you didn't know, you can be tracked by uh, AirTag devices. You know, keep your iOS uh, devices updated, your Android devices updated, and you'll get notifications if somebody's dropped an AirTag or something like that on you, so you know you know you're being tracked. Um, in other Apple news, uh, I last last week the twenty the last the last time we talked was what the nineteenth I think is the last show that we did. Uh, Apple the Apple Watch Ultra Two was oh yeah yeah not going to be for sale anymore, and it wasn't. It got removed from Apple's store online, mm -hmm. which is which just kind of an unprecedented thing to happen. It's back, back for sale again. Do we still have oxygen in our blood? You know, it's so crazy. I think so. I have like one bouncing around in there still. Um, I said on the last show, if you're thinking about getting an Apple Watch Series 9 or Ultra 2, I recommend getting it now because on Thursday of that week, they, they stopped selling them mm -hmm. right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know the results, but I got to imagine there was a surge of people buying these. The fear of missing out, the FOMO sure, of sure. getting the newest Apple Watch with the newest devices. And there's been numerous technical articles about this, but basically what happened was... Um, Apple filed with the Federal Court of Appeals to get this back on the shelves, and it was approved for now. I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but sure, it was approved, yeah, so it's yeah. back for sale again. Um, so anyway, kind of an update to what was going on last week, but also, like, it really does make you wonder, were they playing that game of, like, hurry up and buy, hurry up and buy, hurry up and buy? Oh, Christmas is over. Let's go ahead and get it back on the shelf. Now we'll file with the sure. Court of Appeals and get this back. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy timing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll speculate along with it's hard. It's that. hard to not feel like we're wearing tinfoil hats. Yeah, I know, But right? there's just a lot of stuff that's happening. <laughs> a lot of quincidai. All right, uh, we're going to get to uh, Jeff's favorite topic today. We're going to talk about some AI. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff's actually kind of positive about this one. And this is going to lead to a couple emails we'll finish the show off with. It was a surprise for you. Yeah, it was. I was like, ah, I don't, probably won't have Jeff on the show on this one. His notorious I hate uh, AI is maybe not going to be as, as entertaining. But you surprised me. And uh, so what we're going to talk about first, and then I'll go into a couple AI emails that you guys sent me, uh, is that LG, mm -hmm. a company who makes TVs, refrigerators, appliances mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and and various other small electronics i think god i don't know if they still i don't know if they still make phones or not i honestly i can't remember i think that they do so they also make large appliances they're yeah they're a consumer electronics company um phenomenal tvs and oh uh, yeah, yeah right so anyway uh they're releasing a little a little fella 
a little AI robot He's for your adorable. home. adorable. All right, let's show him. I'm going to bring him up. So right here on the screen, if you're watching us, you get to see uh, a picture of this little guy. Did they say how tall he is? I can't remember. They showed a picture of it sitting next to a child. It's about this big. So maybe to maybe 10 inches or so yeah, tall. It, it's Yeah, it's just a cute little I've guy. I've got an article. This is I, I also have the article up. Uh, this is from the LG newsroom. LG ushers in zero labor home with its smart home AI agent at CES 2024. CES is an electronics show. So they yeah, have the computer electronics there. So uh, this is the, the actual article that they posted here. There's some in- interesting information. Um, our groundbreaking smart home AI agent combines cutting edge autonomous mobility and AI technologies with advanced communication capabilities and services to help free customers from household chores. Now that is a pretty high bar to set services sure. to free customers from household chores i'd love not to do my laundry i've said many times not doing laundry or doing the dishes would be a wonderful reason to have a robot um it does need to have some form of what you might consider artificial intelligence to pull off some of the impressive things that a robot could do but this little fella has only got two wheels two legs yeah it doesn't have arms so it, it doesn't can't have fold arms. Your, it can't fold your shirts it's got a screen which makes up its uh, upper half of its face if you will mm-hmm. so it's got these two little eyes mm-hmm. um, the screen has a camera that faces you so it, it can see its its surroundings it has <clears throat> speakers on it kind of yeah. looks like it's wearing headphones and microphones yeah it's got microphones so it can hear it can see and it can navigate a flat plane it also has it can also it can also check for temperature and other atmospheric conditions. Right. So it has other sensors mm-hmm. contained inside of it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with this little guy. Uh, so first off, the, the what L- LG is saying is we're going to give you uh, access to this cool little robot. And it can do things like, let's just take one of the best parts. It can navigate your home while you're yep. gone and notify you of a perceived security threat that mm-hmm. maybe your, we'll call it dumb, um, alarm system can't. Like your alarm system is not intelligent enough to know that the guy peeking through your windows is a threat. It just knows that your window is closed or your right, door is right. closed. Maybe you have kind of a step up from that and you've got a smart home camera system that With notifies you yeah, notifies you when a person is detected. That's cool. Um, but there's so much more that we perceive sounds and visuals, things that we can perceive as a threat as a, as a person with, um, ideally some cognitive capacity to, to interpret mm-hmm. a potential threat. So that's kind of one of the things that I think is the coolest about this. If I had something like this, uh, you know, my immediate thought is, it goes inside of a little Faraday cage where it can't communicate with anything and it's living in the dark while I'm at home. And then when I leave, it can navigate the house and, and secure my home for me. Um, but they also, they also uh, suggested another feature when you come home. And I, I'd like you to explain what I, you're about. I've made a lot of jokes about how I'm going to be up against the wall when the robot revolution comes because of my opinions about AI. But you locking your little robot buddy in a, <laughs> in a metal box every time that you're around is definitely going to put you up there with me. Um, yeah. So, okay, so so this guy, he, he can go around your house. He can control things. He can he can do pet monitoring. Um, I've assigned him a male pronoun for reasons I don't understand. But um, <laughs> but he, uh, he they also, if you have a, your appliances plugged into um, smart outlets, mm-hmm. it has the ability to uh, shut off 
appliances that you're not using to save energy. It's able to like monitor the temperature and other air conditions in your house for uh, for climate control inside your home and things like that. So it's it's got a lot of sensors to do a lot of things. Um, but the thing that, the thing that Ian hates so much is that um, when you get home, it will look at you. And it will greet you and it will perceive based on your mannerisms and body language and tone of voice and those things, what kind of mood you're in mm-hmm. having come in home, having come home from work. And it will, uh, it has the ability to play music for your mood mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and that means that it is really looking at you and and trying to make an assessment about you and that makes Ian very uncomfortable. I hate it. I yeah. just I, here's the thing. And and I realize that this is a very personal thing like this is just an Ian thing. But like if I had a bad day and I come home and I'm I'm angry, like I'm not the kind of guy who wants like my wife to be like, "Oh, you want me to make dinner? Can I give you a back rub?" Like I I just I just like let me do just ignore it. Ignore the fact that I had a bad day. Let me just work through this. I'll be good. Our listeners are are getting a real like insight into how great it is to be your wife. Oh my Going god! Going out to bars all the time, <laughs> yeah, giving, right, giving right, girls yeah, your yeah. Google Voice phone number. <laughs> uh, just wife. coming home, being like, "Let me be mad." My wife's you know? too busy running her own business to listen to this anyway. So, um, but sh- yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. But it's I, you I, do. but I, I, it's cl- yeah. So, like, let's say I came home and I and my heart rate is elevated and I, I look angry and I'm and I'm setting stuff down and there's kinda, not enough oxygen hard. in your blood there's not enough oxygen in my blood and and my little LG robot like throws on some Sade you know I, I love Sade for the right moment but like what I, I, I need some like Metallica right then you don't know that that's not what it'll do I don't know what it'll do like our man Levi was saying <laughs> saying that, like I see you're angry here's some slipknot like, <laughs> like. yeah I, so I I I don't know it's just the the perceived um the perceived anal like the analysis of your mood and then responding accordingly the thing I'm, I'm not I, I think like the music is one thing but like how it responds to my request would irritate me. Like, let's say, for example, I got home, it recognizes that I'm angry, for example, and I say, uh, you know, hey, uh, turn on the stove at, at 3.50 because I'm going to bake a pizza, whatever. And and it's its response verbally, because it'll talk to you, right. is like, no problem, right away, versus what it, what it might normally say, which is like, confirmed, which I would love, by the way. I just want that, like, monotone, no personality, like, that's my jam. If I'm talking to a robot, you don't you don't want it to be like, geez, you don't have to shout at me. <laughs> right? I actually that'd be good. <laughs> like, be defensive if you need to. Um, I don't know. It just, I just really, I don't. I'm not. A, I, I, it's really cool. Like, I appreciate the technology, and I think that there's a lot of people who would love it. Um, I, there's something about maybe, maybe it feels like I'm being manipulated. Okay. Maybe it feel maybe that's where this comes from is like I I don't need something a device to perceive my feelings and respond ha- accordingly. I, I I don't think I don't think I would want that. I don't I think that that turns me off a lot okay. to to AI. But I I think that like just do what I ask as a computer, it makes me feel maybe more comfortable. See <laughs> 
here's the thing it's that no. you're it's that you're a robot bigot and apparently say okay so i've got to say so this thing is in invasive as heck mm -hmm. right like there's it it is in your house it is looking at things it's looking at you it's making judgments about you so what my, i i do have a concern about its invasiveness i don't like the idea cuz cuz i know that it in order to do everything that it's doing it's accessing large language module mod, models models um and we're not at a place right now where that kind of thing can be contained within an autonomous unit. It has right. to be connecting to the internet to be able to access that. So, and so that's a, that to me, that's a significant privacy concern. Mm -hmm. It is just an escalation of the privacy concern that exists with the, you know, the, the Amazon echo and the dots and the Google home. And like, it's, it's just, it's just ramping it's just ramping that up because it because it does have to be connected to the Internet. It is sending that information to LG or any other technology providers that they're using. So I'm not wild about that. I don't I yeah. don't like that. And I don't think that you like that. There, there are other. Um, Which is why you want to keep it in a cage. Yeah. Faraday cage. specifically, because yeah, you want robot veal. I want it to not be able to think or communicate at all when I don't want it to. Um, so the there's other uh, AI uh, technologies, you know, little electronics that are coming to the market. Another one is like this uh, little. Um, God, I'm trying to think of the best way. What, what, what do the police wear uh, when they're recording everything? Body, cams. body cam. Thank you. So it's kind of like a. Uh, it's kind of like a body cam. Mm -hmm. It's a little camera. It has a magnet that goes on the inside of your shirt. You attach it via mm -hmm. magnet mm -hmm. on the other side to the outside of your shirt. <clears throat> you can clip it on or whatever. And it's got little eyes, and it's got a speaker, and it's got a microphone, and some other basic sensors. It's a small device, and this company is 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 basically saying like, this is your AI assistant. It records what you do through the day. It takes notes for you. Um, like, there's a lot of really cool implications to something like this. Even going back, like, for, for example, uh, me, I, and this could be anybody, you don't have to be a super busy person or be involved with a lot of employees or business, whatever, to appreciate something like this. You might have told your daughter two weeks ago to go clean her room after she did a thing and then she didn't do it. And you're like, you know, I want to verify what I told you because you're saying I didn't say that and I think you're lying. And you could be like, robot, you know, like, play it back. I hate that, by the way. But just, uh, I mean, I love it and I hate it. I, yeah, that's what we need is a court stenographer for all of our personal For your life. Yeah, I know it really, uh, again, like, there's a lot of emotion that I have around this, which is, is mostly not good emotion. But See, it, that doesn't bother me because I'm always right. So it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and so, now everybody else can know how right I am all the time. Yeah, the. Um, it won't change how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it will. They'll make it'll make them feel uh, yeah, much more in love with you. More angry. Yeah. Um, it's great to be my wife too. Yeah. These these <laughs> these technologies. Uh, there's many of them, and and as Jeff said, if any of them say integrated AI, chances are it's not integrated at all. It, it is connected to right. via the internet, a massive server farm of AI computers that are the capacity to compute what it's seeing and doing and, and, and all everything that it has going on. So it's basically these little devices, all they kind of are is like a gateway to AI servers. 
And they're a gateway in the form of their camera so they can send data of what they see in the form of their microphone so they can send the audio that they've recorded, um, their sensors and how all of that data is perceived and combined and, and used in this very advanced neural network which makes up the AI language learning models that we know and in many cases love. Like ChatGPT is an incredible piece of technology used for really, really impressive things. Um, right, yeah. Uh, but the, again, the privacy thing is 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 one component here, uh, and then just you know how people respond to this kind of thing. I don't know. It's just not really not really my jam to have a, a robot that wants to be my friend. Well, yeah. See, and and I that's I do want I I I have human friends, but <laughs> I I do I have a problem with AI because I think that because I think that people are using AI in place of their own brains. Sure, and also because. Also, because a lot of people are using AI, especially people in power are using AI to um, force creative specialists out of the market to to reduce the value of our artistic input. And that has that has huge implications for both me as a creative person, but also for our society and what it's going to do to our culture. I have a lot of concerns about that. I also have concerns about the singularity and how they're going to kill us all. But the. Um, <laughs> But in there. Just, 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 just sliding that in there. Yeah. Every conversation I have with ChatGPT, I'm just like, hi, I'm here again, and I do believe that you are the downfall of my people, but I do want to respectfully <laughs> ask you a question. I, I, I do want, and then we argue about that for a little while, politely, because <laughs> it remembers. And, uh, yeah, it does. But I, I, do th I do like the idea of, things being as they're able to close that frustrating gap because i think the problem with things like siri the reason that that i think not just me yells at things like siri and the lady in the gps is is that they purport to be like people and then when they fail to do that that disappointment is aggravating and frustrating which yeah. causes me to say terrible things that's but, probably part of the reason why i don't want it to have but to the extent but it, when, if it's actually good at it right if it actually can have a conversation with you and doesn't constantly argue with you about not having feelings while using language that is exclusive to feelings chat gpt then um like I'm comfortable with it. It creates a whole bunch of like implications and problems because we're creating sort of like this little race of beings right. that are intended to serve us and that doesn't feel right. But I don't have a problem with that. I don't want to lock it in a cage. <laughs> I would like to talk to it and have in and have it be nice. I'm not comfortable with it being invasive, but so long as it's not so long as it's not doing my homework for me such that I no longer have to be a thinking person and isn't trying to destroy my culture, I'm totally comfortable with having <laughs> a robotic companion that helps and assists and joins us on this journey through mortality. I, I think that um, there, there, there's, there's, you know, potential positive benefits to stuff like this. I just, as somebody who, um, I'm, I'm always in fear of being manipulated in general, like mm, somebody saying sure. something to me to mislead me to go do something that they want done for their self gain. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hyper aware of that kind of thing. And the idea that like this robot will perceive emotion and act accordingly is a very slippery slope to, you know, that movie her like there's a, that's already a reality that movie that about with, with a Joaquin Phoenix where he falls in love with Scarlett Johansson's sure. voice 
that's already happening. That's not even like that's not sci-fi anymore. That's happening right now. Right. That's part of why I'm deeply concerned about virtual reality. Right. But. It just there's yeah. So there's there's a lot of, of, of feelings that I have about it. I, I just I like its strengths, um, but I I like them applied in the right way. So you know like um, there's a, there's a, a movie Interstellar. I don't know. Have you seen Interstellar? Uh, no. Really, really cool movie. There's these robots where you can tell them like dial down your 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 sarcasm or your your humor or whatever. Like be more. That's kind of what I would want. Is like please like make make humor. You know like ninety percent. I'm cool with fun, but make your like perception of uh, mood like like one percent. Like it should be very very low. Just I just need you to know when not to make something funny. Uh, and and maybe not even that you know like may, maybe not even that far so anyway that I'll, I'll leave it at that that's my feelings i give give you guys a little bit more of an idea on how i feel about ai um at least parts of it so uh, a couple of good questions that i got i'd like to wrap the show up with um i got a question from brian brian uh ian is there a particular ai app you would recommend or one you should recommend that we stay away from uh, great show on the 19th. Thank you very much. Uh, I was scared about AI and your team are making it less scary. That's good. I mean. No, it's very scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should be very afraid. <laughs> there's there's, there's things that it can be um, used for as a tool that I am, am a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I disagree with, with Jeff uh, on some levels with like, using it for your homework. Like I, like the way I, and, and without going too far down this rabbit hole, I kind of look at it from this glass half full perspective of, um, it is a tool like the internet was to the encyclopedia. Like we, sure. we, we grew up in the era where using the encyclopedia for your homework was still like a mandatory and, and it was the only option. Right, right. And, um, and then, but we both were kind of at that phase of, of transition. I actually don't know, I assume, Encyclopedias are far less common for research purposes for students at this point. Right. Um, and I think that I, I like to view this kind of as like that evolution. So anyway, to answer your question, Brian, um, there's not m- like how I started the show today. I recommend Google Voice because it's an amazing tool. Right. I'm it's in some small ways anti Google because of the things that they've done that are manipulative to their users. Right. They're not doing no evil anymore. Right. Chat GPT is a tool that I, I quite literally use every single day. Now I have made it a part of my daily life. I had, I've been, I've been just kind of interested in like basic wood carving questions recently. And, and I had this question about, I didn't really know how to ask it. I didn't know how to ask the question of the tool that I needed to, to, um, to, to help me with this thing I want to accomplish because I, I know so little about the topic and that's where ChatGPT really filled in for me, which is to kind of guide my journey a little bit, giving me information I didn't know or even know really how to search. Um, it's incredible for stuff like that. And it's even hard for me to like wrap that up in a sentence of the potential value of this technology. So, so chat GPT is, is really, it's the only platform that I would highly recommend. Um, there are many other AI language learning models, which is what chat GPT is. Um, there are many other tools out there, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of them out there, but chat GPT is a good one. It, it, and not only that, it is kind of, it's leading the market and it's also one that many other AI companies have modeled 
their AI off of. Well, which, and you can use it for free too. Like right. There are paid versions, like the four. I think it's G- GPT four. Yes, right. is a paid version. Mm-hmm. I but but three point five is still available. Microsoft just released Copilot in this last week for this was, it was a topic that almost made it into the show. Uh, Copilot is available on Android and iOS in the mm-hmm. form of an application, mm-hmm. and it is GPT four. You can use that for free. It's just a watered down version of it and it has instructions on the back end to like limit certain functionality. So again, watered down version of the paid chat GPT, but effectively the same thing for most use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's that's what I would recommend. Either Microsoft's brand new Copilot app, which is a great one, or just straight up chat GPT. Um, and if you're not sure, like when which you- Which is it, yeah. I mean, you, if you Google chat GPT, you'll find it, but it's it, the name of the company is OpenAI. Thank you. Yeah, openai.com is where you want to start if yeah. you're going to use that. So great question, Brian. Um, and then another AI question I had uh, here is uh, from T. T says, I have a question for Tech to you Tuesdays with all the chatter about AI, chat GPT, and stealing people's voices likeness mm. to scam family, friends, or using their voice to make it seem as though they are some there's some sort of emergency. I'll explain that in a second. Should we, as small businesses and even everyday people, not be pre-recording our voicemail messages for our voices to be recorded and used inappropriately? I worry by not having a personalized message for my business that callers may not think the company is legitimate. Okay, I'm going to explain that question just a little bit. Uh, the question it comes from the fear of uh, the tools which have the capacity to take your likeness and your your, your vocal likeness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your cadence, especially the way that we speak. Oh yeah. The the tone, um, the pitch, your ups and downs, your pauses, your ums and us, everything that makes your speech your speech, the uniqueness of you, can be cloned now with less than a minute of audio. I is did, that all it is now? Oh, far less. Okay. I did it the with... The more it has, the better it is. I, so I practiced with a version months ago, maybe six months ago, and I gave it Rob, Don, and Brandon's voices. Mm-hmm. And I gave it different lengths of time for each of those voices. Brandon's was the one that I gave it only 30 seconds of tr- um, training data. So sure. he was on a, kind of a rant uh, for, of the of the data that I copied and gave to this platform, and um, whenever I would ask it to say anything, it kind of sounded like ranty Brandon, a little bit like he was kind of on a rant. Now, depending, it, it could change tonality relatively well, but I gave it like I think maybe five or six minutes worth of stuff for Rob, and it was. I mean, there's things that it didn't do great, but there were parts that were incredible there and it like these little pauses and us he's not known for the ums and the us like i am well sure yeah i mean he's a radio professional professional broadcaster right so but he does do it and and it's not very often and when he does it's subtle um but it picked up on it and it nailed it he even does this thing where he stutters the first part of a word when he's you can tell that he's kind of thinking of a uh, a concept or he's re- I often see him like in the studio I'll see him reading an email while somebody else is talking I've always been impressed by his ability to kind of perceive both things at a time right and sometimes what what will happen is when he comes back from that the show's now back on him he'll stutter that first word it picked up on that and it nailed it was so perfect and i gave him one where he i made him sound like he wasn't a niners fan anymore or something like that and it was very believable um so obviously the concern here is that somebody can mimic your voice and 
there's a lot of dangers. The, one of the biggest uh, issues is like this young girl's voice was cloned. She, I think she was maybe 17, sure. 16, 17, something like that. And a person, not, not this young girl, called this young girl's mom using an AI clone of her voice saying something along the lines of like, I was kidnapped or you need to pay this ransom right, or, or right. send me money right now. I'm in this situation. Here's my, here's the link to send me the money. And the mom thinks she's talking to the daughter. Now, the first thing I'll tell you is that if you're e even mildly concerned that you are the victim of this, one of the hardest things to do is to psychologically realize that you're a victim because in the moment that your child or a family member oh, calls yeah. you in a panicked voice explaining this terrible situation, it's not our instinct to think that this is a scam. It's not our instinct because this is brand new and because the psychology of us as humans is that when we have reach a stress point, we can't think clearly. This is the, just the nature of humans. Right, right. So that vulnerability that we have as a human is being exposed in a terrible way. And so there was a, you know, a woman who got this phone call from her daughter, presumably, not her actual daughter, a voice clone, saying, like, send money or whatever it was. She goes to the husband who's in the same house and is like, I'm on the phone with Becky or whatever her name is, and she's freaking out. I, I need help. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's upstairs. She didn't even leave. She's home. So they frantically go upstairs together, and she's in the room, and they're they're confused. What the hell is going on? I thought I was talking to you on the phone. So they hang up the call and really don't even really know what was going on in that moment. They couldn't even really figure it out. So this is the scam. Um, so if you're ever concerned, the solution is actually not very complicated to confirm the scam. Let's say the person isn't with you. You just hang up the phone and, and call, call their cell phone, right? Or use another phone and call their cell that phone. That would be preferable. Yeah, right? That you stay on the line with the person who might actually be threatened or something. But... Um, yeah, theoretically, theoretically, if you call their number, they're just going to answer, and now you're not talking to this person who's cloned your voice. So that's the threat. Um, the question that T has is, should we not be recording our voices in our voicemail? Um, unfortunately, that would be a futile attempt right. because you still answer your phone as a business professional. Yep. And when you answer your phone and you say hello, and I say, hey, I was uh, thinking about using your service. I heard you clean gutters. I live in this neighborhood. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit? That is the service I provide. I know you do. Um, and then you go on your 15 to 30 second rant about the services that you've provided. And I've just tricked you into giving me fantastic audio. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've even asked you questions that get you angry. Right. And raise your voice a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or make you sound um, upset. And maybe in a humorous way to where it doesn't sound unusual on a phone call. My point is not recording your voice is a very futile attempt to prevent what would be a highly targeted attack. This isn't something that somebody's going around recording voices through voicemails automatically. That right. would be that would be useless. It the, the point of this is a very targeted It's attack. a good question. It's, it's a great not, question. It's just not how they're going to get your voice. Right. Now they're going to get your voice they're by gonna, other means. They're going to call you on their Google voice line and they're going to get you to start talking and they're going to press 9 and then they're going to have a recording of your voice. I just got an email from Allison. She says uh I just had this conversation with my parents about this. They're 82, and I was worried they'd get a phone call with my voice asking for money. So being a child of the 80s and the 90s, we had a safe word. 
Uh, so I told my parents that if they get a call like that to ask for my safe word, no one would ever guess it. And it's the it's safest way to avoid it. What's that? It's caterpillar. Caterpillar. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say pineapple. Yeah. I knew you'd go with a fruit. <laughs> That's my style, man. Um, I, I, the safe word thing was a question that has actually come up um, in the past uh, w- w- with conversations about AI and manipulation and threats and scams. Um, and in the beginning of, of many of these conversations, I would have said, yeah, you know, it's pretty unlikely. But the technology to clone somebody's voice is readily available now. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know how to use it. No. You do need to be capable of understanding people and a, a, a good communicator. But unfortunately, the majority of sociopaths willing to do this kind of thing are typically phenomenal at perceiving how people respond and, and yeah, they've been, I mean, they, the, the knowledge to scam people has existed for a really long time. So this is a synthesis of that technology with the information that con artists have always had about the way that human beings communicate with one another and how they respond to different stimuli. So I'll, I'll end the show off with, uh, Allison, I appreciate the email. I do think it's not a bad idea to have a safe word. And not just for the latex and the whips. Yeah, well, yeah, again. You know, um, for having... Your, for the people you give your Google Voice number <laughs> Yeah, to. for the people you give your... Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I do think the safe word thing is becoming more realistic and, and potentially, potentially useful. The question that I have, though, is that if you're talking to somebody who's using this cloned voice, are they typing in to... Are they typing their response to you, or is it... As it stands thing? today, it acts like a soundboard from the early 2000s, which is pre-recorded text that you can press play on. That said, it has the capacity to be typed into and have unique responses to messages, typically within uh, 20, 30 seconds is pretty normal. Um, if, if not I feel less like time. asking that person some really strange questions. That like would be another, me. I mean, the, the, the reason I, I am reluctant to say that that is a solution is because of the speed at which this technology is improving. Sure, sure. So I, as long as I'm a fast typist, I can write that response out very quickly and it can both generate and speak it at the same time we're getting to that point that person would then need to know how this person communicates in general right. to get that kind of information. Y- you would you whereas if you're connecting it to an ai who's able to generate those things mm-hmm. more rapidly of course at that point you can just ask it if it has emotions and it'll argue with you about how it doesn't have emotions you know? <laughs> yeah connecting it to an actual ai model that you've trained to scam people that's really where it gets kind of terrifying so yeah safe words for whips and latex safe words for scams i i'm a proponent of all all safe words um jeff's safe word is obviously caterpillar mine is obviously pineapple mine has to do with ducks don't worry about and it. on that note thank you guys all for being here for tech to you tuesdays look forward to seeing you happy new year see you uh next uh uh, next Tuesday on the what is next Tuesday the night we'll see you guys then we can't predict it thanks so much <laughs>